teaching a class this semester on a Hindu sacred text called the Bhagavad Gita. It's my favorite sacred text. It's in this Christian seminary where I work part-time. And the students, they're loving it. Most are really just wide-eyed with wonder at delving deeper into something of Hinduism. Most of them have really never encountered any depth, right, with Hinduism before. So as we dive deeper into concepts that they may have heard about, but know little about, like karma and yoga, I hear them excited to discover so many connections to their own lives and so many ways of looking at their world through new lenses. Like most sacred texts, the Bhagavad Gita paints a portrait of how to be in the world. You know, for millennia, people looking into sacred scriptures all around the world have made laws and rules and, you know, this is and don't do this is and don't do that and all kinds of regulations about um, out of these sacred texts. But the reasons that we humans keep turning to them is because we find in them descriptions of what it means to be human right? and helpful instructions on how to do it better. That's what we call wisdom, folks. Now, you may have heard of the Bhagavad Gita as one of Gandhi's greatest inspirations for a life of simplicity and nonviolence. You may also know that the man who assassinated Gandhi quoted it as justification for his own actions. A little disparity there, huh? So like any sacred text, we can find within the Gita justifications for what we already believe. Nowadays, we call that confirmation bias. But also just like any source of wisdom, if we keep our eyes and ears and minds open to possibilities, we might discover something new or surprising or helpful, maybe just the jolt we need. So here in my umpteenth reading of the Gita, as I lead my students in that discovery, in seeking that wisdom, I'm gonna share with you a couple of things that are helping me and my students to be open to its riches. So we're talking a lot about attachment and detachment. According to the Bhagavad Gita, attachment is that way of being connected to people, things, and ideas that begins in the ego. Yay for ego. There's a lot of I want going on in attachment and a lot of hurt and anger going on when we don't get what we want. So the Gita says, perform work in the world without selfish attachments. And that word selfish is really getting to the heart of what the Gita means when it talks about attachment. That our attachments generally have this selfish component, really just all about our wants. So in case you don't know, folks, we are attached, right? We're attached to 
families and friends and houses and jobs and cars and phones and churches, okay? We're attached to buying things and social causes and vanilla almond milk lattes and putting people on pedestals and being right. Oh my goodness, in this society, are we attached to being right? And if you've taken a look at the political situation in our society, you know that's true. We're attached to wanting things to be a certain way, right? For friends and family to be well, and for stuff to function properly, and for society to be equitable and just. Now, all of those are good things. They're helpful, right? So what's wrong with being attached to them? Well, according to the Gita, everything. The Gita tells us that it's not the object of our attachment that's the problem. It's the fact of attachment itself. If I tell you that I'm attached to lies and stealing and drugs, you're going to know there's a problem up front, right? But if I tell you that I'm attached to coffee, books, and the love of my friends and family, that doesn't sound so bad. Maybe the coffee part. But when the attachment comes from a place where it's just me wanting to get my way, right, me wanting to feel good, then in the Gita's terms, it's all just attachment. Some may have less dangerous, more pleasurable outcomes, but it's still just attachment, just wanting. And the problem with attachment is that it leaves us stuck in our ego, stuck in our bondage to our emotions. We float on this sea of our emotions, and when things go well with regard to the things and the people and the ideas that we're attached to, we're happy. When they don't, we're unhappy. We don't have a good handle on the fact that we're not, in fact, the same thing as whatever it is that we're attached to, right? We kind of start confusing the two. So if I'm grumpy because I didn't get my cup of coffee, and yes, I will be grumpy if I don't get my cup of coffee in the morning, or if I'm in despair because the person I love doesn't love me back or is in danger or hurting, then the Gita tells me that I'm just forgetting the truth of who I am. I've mistaken these emotions for the very core of my being. Okay? So the Gita tells us that the antidote to attachment is detachment. Detachment can sound cold and unfeeling to Western ears, but that's not really what is meant. It doesn't mean not feeling anything. It means not getting all wrapped up in those feelings, okay? It's like in meditation. You know how we're taught in meditation to let thoughts arise and then pass and not hold on to them? Well, that's a form of detachment. And the Gita says we need to practice this out in the world too, as well as in that limited space of meditation. We feel things all the time, happy or sad or joyful or frustrated or whatever. 
But what we don't do is then clutch onto those feelings and try to make them last. At least when we're detached, we don't do that. So the Gita explains that we practice detachment by acting rightly, but not expecting to be rewarded for our actions. So it talks about action and the fruit of action. And that fruit is whatever that outcome is of our action, right? It says in a state of detachment, we're not concerned with that fruit or that outcome because our ego is not involved. We don't get to determine what happens, right? Control issues, right? We don't determine what happens. So we do our part and we recognize that we can't control the outcome. So let's take an example. I work in a transition house for people leaving prison. Those of us who are on staff, we're honored to serve these beautiful and broken people putting their lives back together. But let me tell you folks, there can be drama. <laughs> So when one of our residents, oh, so very often this drama, yeah, it looks like relapse because most of our residents have addiction issues, right? So when one of our residents relapses, I've been teaching my staff that we may mourn the choices this person has made, but we have to honor the person's right to make those choices. We can't. Get caught up in thoughts of, if only I had done this, if only we had seen this earlier. Our job is to support our residents in their good choices. This is what I tell my staff all the time. Our job is not to make the choices for them. Now, because we care a lot about our residents, it's easy to get into that mode of attachment where we feel like a step backward on their part is a failure on our part, or maybe the other way around, right? Where a step forward on their part is a success on ours. But guess what? Neither one is true. It's not helpful for us or for them either. Their steps are their own, and if we get caught up in thinking about success or failure, with this one person, then we lose sight of the next person who's right in front of us and needing help, right? Our job is to do our job of helping. It's the work of God and that person as to what happens after that. Knowing that and putting it into practice, that's detachment. Let me tell you, we're perfect at it <laughs> all the time. We're working, we're getting better. But how would that detachment look if we practiced it when we're thinking about the political situation in the United States? How would it look practicing it when we think about people we don't like? What about with people we love? What about with ourselves? According to the Gita, the key to living with detachment is understanding desire. So the Gita says 
When you keep thinking about sense objects, attachment comes. Attachment breeds desire, the lust of possession burns to anger. Anger clouds the judgment and you can no longer learn from past mistakes. Lost is the power to choose between what is wise and unwise. So in other words, when we get our ego wrapped up in something, we start wanting things to be a certain way. We don't just work for climate sustainability. We want our actions to be successful and we become angry and unhappy if they don't work the way they want, we want it to. And if we love this person, we want everything to go well for them and we worry they might not or become unhappy if we think that they aren't going that way. Heck, we want that vanilla almond milk latte and we're annoyed if we don't get it, right? So instead of just having the feeling of wanting something, to a greater or lesser degree, we become wrapped up in that feeling. And if we stop and think about it deeply enough, we might see that our lives are just this endless series of I want, I want, I want. Sometimes we think that looks like love, but if all we're doing is wanting, that's not unconditional love. So the Gita tells us that our attachments are what are leading to all this wanting and that the wanting is endless when we live inside of it. And it's only going to create more wanting. So if we, even if what I want is love or justice or compassion, as long as I'm wanting it in this clingy, attached way, I'm just going to create more wanting rather than creating love justice, and compassion, right? I'm not going to make good choices because I'm seeing through this fog, this fog of my wants. So I can't tell you the number of times I've been working with women in our transition house who get into what turn out to be bad relationships with guys who lie, who steal, who abuse them, and when the relationships end, the women say, I should have seen this. This was going on the whole time. And many of these women have been in these kinds of relationships over and over again. It is heartbreaking, right? But they keep seeing through this fog of want, of need, of low self-esteem. When their vision clears a little bit, they can be amazed or appalled at where that fog of want has led them. And then, too many times, the fog creeps back in, that need takes over, and they find themselves headed right back to where they started. Now, maybe you've been in a relationship like this or some other situation like this. A mental and emotional space where you've been so caught up in wanting something that wasn't good for you, was causing chaos in your life, whether it was with family or a friend or a job, some other situation. And then something causes you to step out of that fog and be able to see clearly. 
right? And you wonder how you could have gone so far without realizing what was going on, without admitting it to yourself, right? We get caught up in need. We become attached. We forget how to see clearly. And it doesn't have to be anything as dramatic as an abusive relationship either. We might spend our time doom scrolling, fighting with our neighbor about their dog in our yard, listening to podcasts that leave us despairing or just drinking too many sodas. Anything where we feel like we can't stop. But the Gita tells us over and over that the basic problem there is attachment. When we learn detachment, what we really learn is to see things for what they are. We can learn to see without fog, without filter, and here's the best part, without judgment. Right? Because judgment is just another filter. That gives us this profound space of clarity within which to move in the world. The Gita says those who are motivated only by desires for the fruits of actions are miserable, for they are constantly anxious about the results of what they do. When consciousness is unified, however, all vain anxiety is left behind. There's no cause for worry whether things go well or ill. So what the Gita is telling us here is that when we're constantly concerned about how things are going to go, we're always walking around stressed. Anybody in here ever walked around constantly stressed? <laughs> yeah. Sounds like your life? Yeah. But when we let go of the attachment, let go of worrying about how things will go, and instead just focus on doing the right thing in the right way, that stress goes down. We accept the results, knowing that we have done as we need to do. And with this detachment, with this clarity to see what needs doing, right? We can continue to fight battles that need to be fought, to work for causes and actions that are not easily attainable, to love those who are difficult to love, and to show compassion to all, even to ourselves. With detachment and awareness, we center in ourselves rather than in everything going on around us, which actually allows us to be more present to what is going on around us, right? Because we're not muddled by that fog and fear. So I'd like to end with one more quote from the Gita. Those who possess this wisdom have equal regard for all. They see the same self in a spiritual aspirant and an outcast, in an elephant, cow, and dog. Such people have mastered life. They are not elated by good fortune nor depressed by bad. With mind established in Brahman, they are free from delusion. Not dependent on any external support, 
they realize the joy of spiritual awareness. Namaste and Amen.